with so many interest rate rises hitting mortgagees' pockets this year, there is various commentary on when they will stop, slow down or continue for the foreseeable future. However, will interest rate rises put a halt to buying property? Should homeowners wanting to sell be nervous or buyers needing a mortgage be concerned? Today, we are going to find out how we can strategize your buying ability through interest rate changes. You're listening to Real Estate Right. Top experts talk about how to buy, sell, rent, and invest right. Your host is Sue Langda. Copyright is your go-to experts in property copy. We paint the best picture of your property to attract the best buyers and tenants, ensuring they understand the total benefits of buying your property over any other on the market. We are proud of what we do. We ensure that pride is instilled into each and every property and buyers and tenants fall in love with your home. For copy that tugs at the heartstrings, Call Lisa on 5977-889 or go to realcopyright.com.au. Luke Piccolo, Director of Woodard South Yarra, is a member of the REIV, the REIA and is at least a second generation real estate agent. He is passionate about the Woodards Foundation that paved the way for corporate social responsibility and he received an REIA National Award in 2021 for his excellence in community service. Always a pleasure to have on Real Estate Right. Welcome Luke, how are you today? Yeah, good Sue, thanks for having me back. It's good to be back. It's good to have you back. Now, um, obviously today is topic is about how to strategize your buying ability about around um, interest rate changes. Now, how have you found interest rates affecting sales in the re- most recent months? Yeah, it's interesting. I, I often think about um, the paradox between, you know, the market being just the collective psychology of millions of buyers and sellers and, um, and how they all interact. And then how do you provide advice to people in that environment where, They've just got one situation, you know, one purchase potentially, or just you know, it's about a couple or a family. So yeah, it's a really interesting problem to to solve. I think um, we've seen interest rates affect the market um, uh, quite significantly, and it's on um, on two fronts. One is the the financial implications for purchases. Mm. So you know, for example, in real terms, the um, the difference in um, loans um, and the cost of that debt. Um, has gone from, you know, for example, um, 2.41% for new loans to 3.05%. So over the last six months, since the interest rate changes have actually come into play, there's been a real financial impact. So for let's take a first-home buyer buying a a unit at the median price in South Yarra, for example, where I am, um, they'd be be looking at borrowing 80% of $615,000. The interest rate changes means that they're actually spending $262 more a month or $3,148 a year, which is significant. Um, uh, Now, if you put it into the context of of $100,000, hundreds of thousands of dollars in terms of the purchase, it's manageable, but it's still significant. Yeah. and so that's one impact and is the financial impact. It's a, a question of a, you know, a week's holiday for some, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. And then the other impact is a psychological one. So I spoke about the, mm. uh, you know, the psychology of millions of buyers and sellers. The sentiment has changed as the news um, cycle, which, you know, I've got my own views on how fast our news cycle is, but as the media picks up on interest rate changes and, um, and, and talks it up, that, that does shift the sentiment out there. So we've, um, we've seen the most significant shift in sentiment that I've seen in my career in terms of going from a seller's market to a buyer's market um, so quickly. Yeah. Uh, and so that, that has an impact on the decisions people make. We're seeing vendors are far more reasonable um, most vendors that we're dealing with are selling for a reason as opposed to selling to just cash in on a long-term investment, yeah. for example. Um, and then buyers are sitting back uh, and waiting for the right opportunities mm. and they're feeling like they're in a, um, you know, they're in a powerful position. You know, you, you, you hear the, uh, the shift from the phrase FOMO, fear of missing out, to um, I think they use FOOP, which is uh, fear of overpaying. Oh, uh, yes. But, mm. But I actually prefer FOPO, fear of paying overs. I just feel like it sticks with the, uh, oh you know, the, yeah, 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 yeah. It, it works for me better. Yeah. But anyway, that's, that, that sentiment certainly changed as well. Yes. And it's funny because um, I've been talking to a couple of agents and, and they're saying, look, you know, the A-grade properties are doing super well and getting super over the, the reserve price. Now, I do understand that they've preconditioned their owners to say, look, you know, we, you know, instead of, a million bucks, we think you're going to get 900 and then all of a sudden it sells for, you know, 990 or something. Um, so they're like, oh, yay, we got more than what we thought we'd get, but we're over the reserve, so yay, we've we've got a win. Do you know, you know what I'm saying, mm. don't you? Yeah. yeah. Then the B and C grade properties, so the ones that haven't been touched, renovators are, are struggling on the basis that they hear from the media, the the builders and the trades and the and the supplies are too hard to get, so therefore it's going to take forever to do a renovation. So I don't want to buy something that's not renovated. So I want to buy something that's mm-hmm. renovated because I don't want to go through you know two, three, four years of renovation pain. Oh, absolutely. For some people, it's not even about the cost; it's about the time yeah. and the effort involved. Like they just want to, don't want to do it. I've got a live example of this. Uh, we've got a two-bedroom apartment at the ground floor of a building called Ravendeen in Domain Road opposite the Botanic yeah. Gardens. Um, actually, just on a tangent, uh, used to be an old tennis court for the mansion next yeah. door. So there's literally a family living there that would play tennis opposite the Botanic Gardens. Like how cool would that cool. be? Yeah. Um, and um, not that I'm any good at tennis, but the um, but it would have been a nice place to yeah. hang out. Um, and then we've got this two-bedroom apartment that is in original condition from the late 1980s and needs a significant renovation. The flooring needs some work and it needs, you know, um, a lot of uh, tender love and care. And we have a potential purchaser. They have family living nearby in one of Melbourne Bolt Hole. They actually live interstate and are looking at, um, uh, you know, buying something so that they can visit their family more yes. easily um, and they said to me listen Luke we love the apartment you know we think it's reasonably priced but um, we've gone to three builders who can't fit us in for a mm. year until the works are done so we just can't hold the apartment for 12 months now um, as agents we're finding that we have to be a lot more creative and do a lot more tailored work to try and help these yeah. people because for instance I know a builder around the corner who we helped get into a rental property of ours and he's a good friend of the firm and he's a great yeah. builder. And because he's local and because it's an apartment as opposed to a house, he can actually fit in that job into his schedule. Yeah. So we're, we're actually helping them by finding a builder. Yes. And, you know, this, 
this situation may work for them, it may not. But the important thing is that I think for um, both sellers and buyers and even agents, you just need to have a tailored approach and take it one step mm-hmm. at a time. Like as the buyer, right, interest rates are increasing. What does that mean for yeah. me? What does that mean for my budget? Get the spreadsheet back yeah. out. You know, am I basing my interest rate um, that I'll be paying on 3%, yes. which I don't think anyone should have been to begin with, by the yeah. way. Um, even when even when rates are at 2 or 3%, like I based my budget with my wife when we purchased back in 2017 on 7%, and that was before any changes. Yeah. So um, we know that APRA, which is the regulator of financial institutions, bases um, wants banks to base uh, their borrowing on 7%, and they did change that figure in recent mm. time. Uh, it went but down as a, to 5 didn't it? Yeah, exactly mm. right. Exactly right. So I'd recommend that buyers actually just look at their own situation and yeah, just tailor it. Just tailor tailor what you're doing to the different market yeah. conditions. Wise advice. Now, I'd like to hear your take on this. I did speak to my mortgage broker the other day and he sort of said, oh, you know, how long's a piece of string? But um, now, with interest rates, do you think the Reserve Bank's going to start cutting back on um, rises before the end of the year or do you think they're going to continue but rise them slower or do you think there's mm. going to be a bit of a plateau going on? Where, what do you reckon your, yeah. your crystal ball is telling you? Yeah, it's interesting. I have a feeling that um, even the Reserve Bank is just a collection of people, right? Yeah. Um, and so, and you know, where, yeah, yeah. And even in their, in their most recent um, announcement, uh, they were talking about uncertainty and cloudy, um, cloudy times, and these words that they don't usually use. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they're usually pretty direct, and so um, I think it's an interesting time. I think it's interesting that um, Warwick McGibbon, who's a former Reserve Bank uh, board member, actually came out, and there was an article in the ABC yesterday where he was questioning the RBA's methodology around um, their inflation targets and their monetary policy, yeah. which is. Um, the Reserve Bank would take very seriously in terms of um, the reputational damage. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're under fire for basically not taking global inflation seriously enough, for focusing too much on wages locally yeah. and other factors. Um, and so um, they're actually under fire for not increasing rates early enough. And now it feels like the pendulum swung in the other direction. And while they've increased them um, substantially, I actually think that out of the options of no rise, a small rise, or another large increase, I think we'll see another small increase. Yeah. Um, I have a feeling that the Reserve Bank will look at what's happening globally. US inflation has just leveled out, mm-hmm. um, albeit at 8.5%. We have seen it level out. Yeah. Uh, they'll be looking at um, how stable it's been in Australia um, and the sentiment has changed. They'll see consumer spending has been increasing and going from strength to strength. So I think we will see another increase, but I think it'll be a smaller rate rise, um, whether it's, you know, 10 basis points, 25, yeah. 50, I've got no idea. But I, I don't think we'll see another 50 basis points. I think it'll be a small rise. Yeah. It's funny. I had a chat with a family friend recently who um, is a professor of economics or retired professor of economics, been in the whole that whole space for 50 years, you know, like yeah, wow. really yeah. intense. I popped in to say hello one morning and he was in the middle of writing an article for the Financial Review. And, you know, on the side he said to me, this is just a repeat from what happened in the mid-70s. That's why Gough Whitlam got ousted. Yeah. We're going to see 
Albanese get ousted on the basis of what the Reserve Bank has done and all that sort of stuff. That's what he's predicting for next year. Interesting times. Yeah, he, he says that they've gone asked about everything with this whole interest rate. Right. Well, if you look at the um, yeah, if you look at the actual rate of those hikes, so yeah. the rate of increases, I mean, we haven't seen that since 1994. After, uh, as they call it, the recession we had to have, yeah. which is a great marketing piece, but not necessarily based on much. But the early 90s, the property market was far worse. Yeah. You know, like the, um, I mean, I wasn't around and operating at that time, but Philip Adders and Bill Cook, who were who I work with here, yeah. you know, they were telling me that it wasn't like buyers and sellers the sentiment had changed it was there was no buyers yeah. you know what i mean it just it, like the market i don't think people have the same reference point for what how bad the market actually can be mm. and so given we're not operating in that environment given um what the housing market's doing in melbourne and across australia i don't think you could justify another 50 basis point no. increase and continue with this same pace um because i think they'll also want to see what the last increases um, have done and will do. You know, it takes time for this stuff to filter through. And that's the thing. Um, I was watching the Today, the Today Show the other day and and they said, look, the banks haven't actually passed on the rate rises to the consumers as quickly as the Reserve Bank's been dishing them out. So, you know, it's still two or three months away before we see the effect of that 0.5% increase um, be filtered through to the actual mortgages. So we're still yeah. living in a little bit of limbo. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I know Tim Lawless um, from CoreLogic came out and said he feels like the bottom of the market's going to be late this year, early next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, it's interesting how quickly things can shift. In the last 50 years, there's only ever been six times where the property market's decreased by 5% or more. Yeah, And there's only been once that, it actually lasted for longer than 18 months. Yeah. So these these market cycles tend to be quite short in terms of the downturns. Yes. And if Tim Lawless is correct based on the large data set that CoreLogic work with, um, I think it would necessitate the interest rates to um, either increase by smaller increments or not increase at all for that to take place. Mm. Now, that's a bit of cart before the horse logic. Like yeah. obviously there's... You know, um, but there's um, it's just a different way of um, sort of justifying the fact that there's potentially smaller increases on the way as opposed to the larger ones and maybe even no increases, um, you know, sooner than we think. Yeah. Um, but I think um, regardless of all that, there's still great opportunities for both buyers and sellers because Australia and Melbourne in particular is made up of so many micro markets yes. that, um, you know, those those wider macroeconomic conditions really only impact so, so much yeah. and so many. I don't know if you're finding this, but as I said, the A-grade the A properties, the really big family homes, they've got no issue with selling at the moment. Like they're doing, like if they're beautifully done and all that stuff, they're doing really well. But there's a lot of first time offered in 60 years, first time offered in 40 years, all that sort of stuff coming through. So it's not the people who've had their mortgages in the last one or two years. It's the ones who've built up a lot of equity or, you know, in their homes, mm. you know, and, they, and they're selling them now because they're worried that, well, we're going to get the most money now in six months, 12 months, 18 months' time. It might be lower. That's what they're being told essentially. Mm. Yeah, and so there's all those tax things that, you know, you have to have your, was it two years that you have to, if somebody dies, 
you're going to sell. Yeah, the executor's yeah. uh, the executor's twelve yeah. months. I think that uh, thing. Uh, yeah, I mean it can be a little bit longer than yeah. twelve months, but yeah, the executor's year I think is the uh, is the phrase yeah. they use. Um, but we see on the ground the demand. Like we, you know, Why for example, still to, out there. Yeah. yeah, to your point about family homes, we had 21 Cochrane Avenue, a great 70s yeah. um, family home in the sunny side estate in Camwell, great location. Yeah. I mean, A-grade spot, A-grade land. It yeah. was north-facing backyard, you know, and had a had a great block. Um, the house itself had been um, built in the early 70s, 1973. We did that one for you, didn't we? Of course you did. Yeah, course. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um and it's no surprise that with help like yours we had four bidders uh yeah. you know and the place sold for three million even i mean of course six months ago would it have got three million and fifty or three point one maybe but we don't we can't really guarantee that all i know is that there was four bidders there competing and you yeah. can't tell, you can't tell me the market's shot for family homes in camwell if if we've got four bidders yes they're definitely out there that's for sure so what do you reckon the interest rate should be for home buyers to be comfortable with their payments. Yeah, I think um, there's that's a good. Uh, you, you use a perfect phrase, which is um, comfortable with payments, because everyone's risk tolerance is different. So, for yes. example, um, I have a high risk tolerance for debt in relation to property because I'm a property guy. Um, yeah. My wife, for example, isn't as comfortable with debt as I am, and so even as a couple, we have different ideas around risk and debt. Um, yeah. So I'm conservative when it comes to stress testing the numbers. So we based our numbers in 2017 on 7%. Yes. I think that's still reasonable now. Um, we've yeah. also paid off some of that loan. So given our principles lower, we will still be basing our numbers on 7%. Yeah. I think for a new borrower, you need to just look at the worst case scenario. The worst case scenario for you is that interest rates continue to climb at the current rate for the next six months. So based yeah. on... 50 basis points, which, you know, for those that aren't aware, basis point is just the hundredth of a percentile. So 50 basis points is 0.5%. If interest rates continue to increase by 0.5% for the next three months, well, that means that they've gone up 0.5%, 0.5%, 0.5%, you know, one and a half percent. Add that into whatever your stress test level is. Now, some people might not want to set it at seven percent, they may be more comfortable at eight, nine, or ten percent because they don't like not having even more breathing room. Now I think that's quite conservative yes. to have your interest rate set at, you know, ten percent. But that's the extreme you could go to if you want to be really comfortable that you can make those repayments. Um yeah. the other thing is to have some open discussions if you're buying with someone else like your partner about what where they feel comfortable in terms of the debt and the monthly repayments because you might have two different ideas mm. <laughs> about what's comfortable. Um, yes. you know, I, um, I'm comfortable that I can keep my income up with, um, you know, those repayments. If someone's yeah. got a job that is, for instance, uh, if they're a freelance journalist or their, um, their employment isn't as, um, isn't as stable, for yes. example, or their, or their, um, or their income just goes up and down. Well, maybe you need to take that into consideration when you're getting the spreadsheet out and looking at those interest rates. So there's a, yeah. There's a few moving parts there, but the key word is comfortable. So make sure you get yeah. the spreadsheet back out, set all the numbers, and make sure that that final number that you need to make on a monthly basis is not just reasonable, but is comfortable. Yeah. And you know what? I think people now need to sort of understand that, you know, if you do have a fixed pay coming every month 
or week or whatever it comes in. Mm. If you need to have that conversation about, well, maybe one of us gets a second job for, you know, it may be six months, it may be 12 months, it might be something like that. Just, you know, there's plenty of jobs out there. Do you know what I mean? Like if you wanted to do, like my partner's always talking about, oh, I wouldn't mind being a dish pig at some, you know, restaurant just to get, you know, an extra hundred bucks for the week or something. Not that. Take me back to the Barker's, take me back to the Barker's hotel where I was pouring beers. That was the greatest job I ever had. Loved it. Do you know what I mean? Like, (laughs) you know, go back to some of your roots. Um, Like, you know, he even talks about going back to asparagus picking, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, and sometimes that, those mundane kind of, you know, jobs where, you know, you might make a hundred bucks or a hundred fifty bucks for a night or something. It just takes the ease off things and Well it's a good point you make yeah. because that two hundred and sixty two dollars forty a month that we mentioned mm. uh, is the current quantified increase in terms of repayments. Like I mean you can make that back. Yeah. Um so uh, you know, we're not in a position where we're seeing sort of things like um, people ended up in a ending up in a negative equity position or um, distressed selling or any of these yeah. um, you know, any of these things that really are cause for concern in terms of um, economic indicators. Mm. And so, um, yeah, it might be as simple as that. I mean, there's some interesting like comments around housing and the cost of housing, and one of one of the takes that I got, which was very interesting, was when Warren Buffett was interviewed about his allocation of capital in terms of his personal expenditure. Mm-hmm. And he was talking about how most people tend to spend too much on their principal place of residence. Yeah. Um, I mean, this is coming from a billionaire that's driven the same car for 30 years. So, you, you know, he's obviously a certain type yeah. of personality in terms of his personal spending. Yeah. But... Um, he makes a good point, which is that if your plan is to build wealth, if that's what you're optimising for, mm. that you should use your principal place of residence as an opportunity to do that. But to have a liability like a huge mortgage over a long period of time in the interest rate environment that we're in may not be the smartest decision. So you may look at instead of, instead of um, you know, looking at, a, um, at the three-bedroom house before you have kids, Maybe you're staying in a in a in a in a two to three bedroom townhouse villa or apartment yeah. until things settle down and you're more sure of your financial position. Yeah. Um, and so I think the word um, I think the word the media used that I read recently was something like mortgage prison. Yeah. <laughs> Which I think I think is the wrong way of looking at yeah. it. Um, I think a better way of looking at it is be happy with what you've got. Yeah. Uh, because Australians have been building an incredible amount of wealth through property for many years. And maybe it's as simple as the fact that we're not going to be able to make millions and millions of dollars through housing um, at the same rate as we have been for decades. Now, um, you know, is that the end of the world? I don't think so. I think sometimes, you know, I even tell clients this, sometimes being happy with what you've got is the right decision right now. Yeah. You know, And it's just about right now. It's not about the future. It's about right now. You don't need you don't need a new house. You just need a gratitude journal. Yeah. You know, <laughs> and and the other thing is, if you don't like something, change it. So if you you know, if you know that you want to either increase you know change your housing or all of that, and you know you can't afford it, then you know ask for the pay rise. You know, if you don't like the job, then guess what? Go find another job that's going to give you that pay rise. Yeah, you're the catalyst of your own future yeah and we i mean everyone overestimates what they can do in a day but we underestimate what we can do in a decade um and so if you've got a long-term view you know that 
that really is the key to building uh, i mean building wealth at all but particularly through particularly through property so mm. regardless of the yeah. interest rate conditions there's going to be some opportunities out there yeah definitely um are buyers telling you about their pre-approvals their bank pre-approvals are there any changes going on there because it used to be and it probably still is um that if a bank approves you for a loan it's you know it's approved for maybe three months some uh, some banks will suggest six months but has that changed knowing that interest rates are going up with uncertainty at the moment um therefore buyers have a smaller period to make that purchase. Yeah, we. I mean, the banks are just being more conservative, and that. I mean, that's the approach they should be taking. I think, yeah. um, in terms of the real impacts on the market, I think the buyers being more conservative is actually um, uh, even more powerful. For example, okay. we may yeah. we may see a, a sort of uh, we sold an apartment to a first home buyer here in South Yarra who had already gotten their pre approval, but still wanted the contract subject to finance. Um, okay. And we're seeing a lot of that because buyers are just a little bit nervous about um, the whole process from start to finish, um, mm-hmm. and that's due to the uncertainty out there. Um, we haven't seen people struggling to get loans at all, as in the the the, the tap hasn't been turned off from the banks. But no. the time it takes to get approved and the types of approvals and the level that you get approved to are all becoming a little bit harder. And so we have seen, um, yeah, exactly. So we have seen that, um, we have seen that, uh, that shift. And so we, for example, taken a far more tailored approach to the work we're doing with buyers. So for example, um, in the past, we would be suggesting an auction method far more than we are at the moment uh, Mm. because if a buyer is trying to make an offer subject to finance, of course, they can't bid at auction. So um, yes. we don't necessarily want to put them in that position. Um, yeah. But then again, back to my point about a tailored strategy, we've got a property where we've had 43 groups through and there's going to be significant competition. So we converted 13 at 22 Rockley Road in South Yarra to an auction. Uh, yeah. So it does depend on, yeah. On the yeah, every, every property is being assessed on their own you know situation really that's right but you're spot yeah. on you're spot on in terms of the 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 environment um the lending environment changing um it has mm-hmm. been the case for a little while though like even when APRA made those changes um, yeah you know the, the the banking royal commission there's been things that have already happened that have made the banks more conservative and so yeah. I think that's just continuing at, at a similar rate I think people just, yeah um uh, yeah got to be mindful of that so you haven't heard um, from buyers say, for instance, oh, look, I only got a one-month pre-approval or they're still at three-month pre-approvals? Oh, I haven't heard of any that are finding the timing that difficult um, okay. in terms of the window of approval. Um, yeah. We did have uh, a lot of people try and sneak in before they thought rates would change, so they had an approval uh, yeah. for three months and they wanted to purchase before they needed to reapply because yeah. they may not be in the same situation as they were. Um, but yes, that seems to have subsided. So um, okay. we haven't seen a new wave of people um, struggling to meet that window. Because that's the thing, you know, I actually did a blog about it recently where it's sort of um, say you're approved for a million dollars at 4% mm. and then, you know, that changes to an extra 1% three months down the track. Mm. That's going to reduce your ability to pay like the banks are going to say well we've approved you for four and a half thousand dollars a month in repayments you know four and a half thousand 
$1,000 a month in repayments is now going to be $880,000 as a mortgage. So all of a sudden you've just reduced your buying ability. Absolutely. And the interesting thing is the uh, cat and mouse between, you know, the buyer's got $880,000, but prices have come back 10 or 15%. Are they getting the same property or like? No. Yeah. They've got to go next suburb or they need to go something smaller or... Yeah, that's exactly right. So um, it's funny you're just reminding me with the eight hundred and eighty thousand. You sound like one of our budding auctioneers. We had the um, the Woodards Novice Auctioneers Competition on Tuesday night, oh, okay. and um, the bidding was eight hundred ninety six thousand five hundred plus a two and a half thousand dollar bid to eight ninety nine. They made it really difficult, yeah. um, and so it was interesting seeing some of the auctioneers just try and get through that one. Um, yeah. And we've got the um, Real Estate Institute of Victoria Auctioneers Comp on Tuesday, so there's twenty six competing there throughout Victoria. So um, actually, Ashley Makusis from our office is um, competing on Tuesday and she won the Woodards comp. So we're very excited for it. Very exciting. Yeah. It's good having that sort of uh, competition um, within the industry to sort of, you know, it just sort of makes life a bit more. Yeah, a bit more exciting and just professionalising the auctioneering as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Are you finding there's certain sectors of the market playing the wait and see game? Um, yeah, I, I sort of use the term discretionary sellers for um, a lot of our okay. clients that are residential rental providers that may have properties that they would consider selling in a peak market. So yeah. 12 to 18 months ago, we had a lot of clients looking to cash in because they knew that the market was peaking. Um, yeah, and now we're not seeing that discretionary selling so much. Um, yes, so it doesn't necessarily translate to the type of property necessarily. Although people who are in a position um, uh, to be able to sell in that discretionary way can mm. tend to have better quality properties. Um, yeah, because they're in a financial position where they were able to afford the better properties back then. They tend to be still in that position because of the concentration of wealth. And so um, we find that um, the quality of opportunities out there may have diminished slightly. Um, You know, if I look at the, um, the number of blocks of apartments that have been sold recently, um, there's been an uptick in, in that because of two reasons. One, you'll find that there's a generational shift and there's those discretionary sellers cashing in. Um, yes. And two, there's the new minimum standards legislation, which has created an extra cost for them if they want to relet the properties they need to invest in them. Um, yeah, and they can't afford it. Yeah. Or they don't, they want, they, they don't want to invest in it. Yeah. That's exactly right. So we're advising a client on a purchase at the moment um, uh, for uh, between 30 and 40 apartments on nearly 3,000 square metres, which is yeah. one of those um, intergenerational opportunities. And I think yeah. we may see less of that between now and the middle of next year. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. Um, There's always the uh, five Ds. I always get these Ds wrong, but I think I've got them down now. Yeah. Death, divorce, debt, distance, and deadlines. Yeah. They're the ones that keep the market going. Debt, yeah. I used to use the one destitution, which is kind of debt and deadline in, in one. Okay. <laughs> Death, 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 divorce, and destitution. Although destitution is a terrible word, um, so I'm yeah. not sure that we should be using that one. But you're right. The distance is more like when you you know got a new job at interstate or overseas, and you need to mm. you know, shift or um, deadlines. Obviously, when you know you've already bought something, so you have to sell. Mm. Um, 
the other ones, I guess, always keep going are um, downsizes and upsizes too. Mm, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, um, the distance one's an interesting one because we've seen that shift to regional areas. Um, we're now seeing some back, um, some people who moved regional now looking coming back to urban areas. Um, yeah. The interstate travel and movement, um, you know, yeah. there has been shifts there as well. Um, yeah. And people want that security. So the buyer I mentioned before, yeah, who's looking at the property in Domain Road, who's living interstate, you know, by buying a property, it does properties are secure. It's a safe, it's a safe thing for people mm. both in terms of the financial implications, but also the um, the lifestyle elements. They know that they can use it. It's theirs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and so as um as rents tighten up, um and rents have actually increased substantially already. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. So. Um, that feeling of safety and security, I think we'll see that new wave of buyer demand. Um, debts, uh, obviously the other one that's probably uh, on the Reserve Bank's mind because yeah. uh, a lot of the price increases that we've seen over the last couple of decades have been driven by debt. So mm-hmm. um, how the financial system is changing and um, how the interest rate environment changing affects both debt levels and the way that impacts on sellers um, will be really interesting to see over the next few months. But um, I'm not sure we're going to get to a point where we see uh, the debt actually start to cause that distressed selling. I'm not sure that that's going to be the yeah. case. Just desperation, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another thing. <laughs> another desperation. <laughs> desperation. Um, that's almost as good as your destitution, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Desperation. Yeah. Trying to think of other D words, but there's plenty. Yeah, there's plenty. But yeah, it's a good little thing. Yeah. Um, essentially, the people who are testing the market or on the fence um we're just not saying those sort of people putting their hands up to sell their home at the moment are we no no and i'm not recommending clients that are in that position um would sell at this time you know as a um as an agent if i've got a client that puts their hand up and says oh is, you know is now a good time some people aren't as in tune with the market as you and i like they may just genuinely yeah. not know like they see the news but they don't know if it affects you know their property in melbourne that you know they might be overseas or you know, we yeah. got an inquiry during the week for from a Japanese family, for example, looking to expand their portfolio into Australia and want to spend between five and fifteen million. Like these people may oh. not, not necessarily, not. yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a good one, um, yeah. <laughs> but they might not necessarily know the market on the ground. And it's like, yeah. well, um, if uh, if you're looking at selling right now in Melbourne, um, unless there's a better place for the for the capital you know, for the money um, mm. or there's um, some other reason for the sale, um, then I would actually, I, in fact, one of the first things I say to most clients is why can't you hold it? Because property is a, uh, yeah. a great thing to hold. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, you know, I think unless you've got a reason to sell or there's an opportunity what you want to take like upsizing in a down, you know, downturn market or yeah. um, there's some sort of other reason like back to those five Ds or six Ds as we came up with. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah, uh, holding's a good idea. Yeah. In saying all that, we're going to have a small break and um, after that we'll talk to Luke about his best strategies for buying in the buyer's market. So you're listening to Real Estate Right. I'm your host, Sue Langada, and I'm talking with the lovely Luke Piccolo from Woodards in South Yarra about how to strategize your buying ability around interest rate changes. 
Okay, Luke, so we've sort of talked about most things, but do you have any of your own top tips for buyers to navigate these interest rates? Uh, absolutely, I do. The first one I've already mentioned is getting the budget out. If there's multiple yep. if there's multiple parties in the purchase sitting down together and setting that comfortable yep. level in terms of the rate, and I would recommend at least 7%. Up to yeah. ten, up to ten percent, but seven percent is really a, um, I think a, safe space, a reasonable number. Yeah, given the environment. Um, yeah. In terms of the actual buying um, process, I don't think that's necessarily changed that much because of the interest rate environment. Other than, um, I wouldn't sit tight for too long. Uh, yes. Yeah. You know, the inevitably most people will try and pick the bottom of the market and they'll miss. They'll either go early or they'll go late and it doesn't matter anyway. I think if you're trying to pick the bottom of the market, you risk buying an inferior property at the right time rather than buying a superior property at the wrong time. So what I mean by that is it's better to get a triple A grade property that absolutely suits every single attribute that you need to get, whether it's from an investment perspective or as an owner occupier, uh, rather than pick the market to within, you know, 2% of a good time of buying. So, um, you know, I see it all the and time. Because as, as we sort of said, like it's going to be probably 18 months and it's going to start turning around again. And so if that 18 months is turning around, then, you know, your superior property is going to be even more superior in two years, 15 years, whatever time it's going to be. Yeah, exactly. And we've got to keep in mind, like it's been happening since January 2022. So it's already yeah. been it's already been a long period of, yeah. you know, the market declining. So as as the next cycle ticks up, uh, you know, it happens sooner than you think. As I said before, you know, it's, yeah. only, it's only been 18, it's only lasted for 18 months once in the last 50 years. The rest of the time it's three months, it's, six months, eight months, yeah. you know, it's it's these sort of time frames. So if you're looking at buying, we know it's a good time now. <laughs> yeah. So the reality is stop the short-term thinking, think long-term. Long-termism, absolutely. To use Will McCaskill from the Effective Altruism Movement, uh, his, yeah. his phrase, uh, long-termism, that's exactly right. Um, yeah. And so if you get the spreadsheet out and get the numbers right, if you don't sit back but try and find the right property and then act when when you do find it, those are really, yeah. the, two, those are really the two key things. Um, yeah. Um, I mean, the old be fearful when others are greedy and greedy when others are fearful uh, is also, you know, apt at the current time. People are scared of paying too much. This is the time when people should be acting. Yes. It's it. Yeah. It's the um, opportunity comes when everyone else is in fear. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you so much, Luke, for your amazing advice in navigating these interesting markets. Interesting times ahead. Now, if our listeners are interested in using your services, how can they get in contact with you? Well, we're on. Uh, I think what do they call them? All the channels, all the all the tunes. Social media. Yeah, is it called social media? Yeah. Oh, meta. <laughs> yeah, the metaverse. Find me in the metaverse. The metaverse. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, no. I think the the best way um, to reach us is to just Google Woodard South Yarra, um, yeah. and you'll see Woodard South Yarra. If you just Google us, you'll see all the all the great things that people say about us. You'll be able to find um, what we do and how we help people and all the details that you need to be able to reach out. Beautiful. And we'll also have your details on our show notes and in our social media. Thank you so much, Luke. Um, It's always lovely having you on our podcast. 
Thanks so much, Sue. Thank you. As real estate gets busy for us in the copywriting world, we have decided to finish the year with a few real estate throwback episodes. We will come back in 2023 with some new episodes and ideas to help you on your real estate journey. We would love some feedback on what you want to know so that we can make your real estate journey a little easier. So contact Lisa at realestatewrite.com.au and I'm sure we can create an episode especially for you. So next week we'll be doing a throwback to David Banks from Jealous Craig. Do I buy first or do I sell first? So don't miss it. Real Estate Right is produced by Real Copyright, one of Melbourne's leading real estate copywriting companies. And it's written, hosted and produced by me, Sue Langada, with the support of my production and social media assistant, Lisa Fisher. All information given on this podcast is a guide only and delivered to help you understand the intricacies that can happen in real estate. We recommend that you get professional advice that is designed for your own personal circumstances. We would like to thank Podbean for hosting this podcast, Premium Beat for their music, Francis Morello for his voiceover, and Zoom for the recording. If you have a real estate story that is inspiring or a great how-to tip, please contact Lisa on 5977-889 to find out how you can be a guest on Real Estate Right in 2022. If you would like to know more about our copywriting services, please email Lisa at orders at realcopyright.com.au. Thank you for listening to Real Estate Right. It's where buyers, sellers, renters and investors get their real estate right. Right.